suicide. Oh, he committed suicide. Okay. So he debts to to provide money to his friend who wanted to spend extravagantly. Is that yes. the right? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up because I did not touch on this, but I should. Um, you know, one thing that uh, that when we keep this principle in mind, um, you know, I, I did not address the issue of us giving loans or loaning money to people. Okay. Even other believers. Um, you know. Uh, I, I have a principle which I believe is, is a biblical principle that uh, that I don't give loans to anybody. Okay? Uh, especially to brothers or sisters in Christ. I do not give loans. Period. Okay? I do not lend money. Um, and uh, that doesn't mean I don't give. Okay? I just said I don't loan. Uh, because what happens is go back to the principles we talked about. Okay? Uh, when you give a loan, you are creating an obligation you're making that brother or sister in bondage to you, right? And, and I cannot, I should not be putting somebody in bondage to me for whom Christ died, okay? And he's given freedom. Uh, and so, you know, if, if somebody lets me know of a need or whatever, uh, you know, I either say, no, I cannot give it or I give it to them as, a, as just a gift, okay? And I make it clear to them that, that you have zero obligation. Uh, I'm not, this is the last conversation we're going to have about this. Okay, you, you need not repay me. If someday you feel like you want to give it back, that's up to you. But I'm not going to ask you about it. Uh, I'm not going to check with you every month. Uh, I'm not going to get upset. And we're never going to talk about this again. It's like this thing never even happened between us. And in no way is it going to impact our, our relationship in Christ, right? Uh, or our personal relationship with each other. So I, I think that's a very uh, wise uh, policy to follow, right? Uh, again, if the person who receives it feels obligated at some point to give it back, you know, you take it back with thanks, but uh, but not by keeping an account and not by insisting on it and not by going around and telling people this person took money and never gave it back, uh, you know, and not putting them under any obligation. I've done this many times with a lot of people and, and, and some of them have repaid some of it, some of them have repaid all of it, some of them have never repaid, okay, and that's perfectly fine. Um, so it's not that you're, you think, so I think of it as I'm giving to the Lord. The Lord has given me an obligation. If I have my brother's need to give it to them, and uh, you know that's the way that I can. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, go ahead, Sheetal. Um, okay, in line with how influence of people. Um, <clears throat> this was back in two thousand nine. I didn't know the Lord, but then I I was raised in I've been raised in a family where death is absolutely uh, taboo, um, and. <laughs> I, I, I personally wouldn't want to get into it ever. And uh, this friend of mine, um, you know, he was like, why don't you have a credit card? You have such a good job and all that. And he himself had like a couple of them because his father had given him some. And I was like, I don't want to get into it. I don't need one. And then he influenced me and said, oh, you know what? None, no one in your family has a credit card. Uh, what do you think about your parents? If they need to be hospitalized in an emergency and all of that. And I fell into that thought. Mm. And I said, okay, probably I should get one. And then my friends, other friends said, oh, you have a credit card, let's book tickets to go on a holiday using your credit card. And I did. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know much about how it works, but I was someone who mm-hmm. I was like, can I pay off the whole amount now because I have the money. Mm-hmm. And this same friend who influenced me to get the credit card was like, no, 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 you keep just paying the EMI, don't pay more than it and all of mm-hmm. that. And all of that led to a point where um, I didn't know that for years together, the bank kept charging me 
different kinds of fees which i had no clue about i i it was my uh, bad that i ignored all the emails that were sent to me and i just was like i'm paying whatever i had to and i and then i overlooked it and cu- cutting things to uh, back in 2016 when i decided to start gulp the pulp when i i mean i mean sorry that whole uh, uh, ordeal led to collection agencies coming home and my mom you know uh, being there and she had to face them and then it went to it went to almost going to court because they did things that were um, illegal and stuff and the bank apologized and they said we are closing this okay we're giving an noc and it was our fault and all of that and i was happy in 2016 when i went to uh, my bank that i've banked with since i was a minor uh they said you we can't issue you. i thought it was a good thing to have a credit card now if i needed to make you know purchases uh, investments for the inventory and things like that um the bank said sorry your civil score is too low we can't issue you a credit card mm. right and since 2010 to 2016 i didn't even bother and i was like what and they're like yeah you need to you know go and figure out with uh, your previous bank and figure out what you need to do so when i contacted them is when i realized that they didn't um, actually clear out this whole uh, ordeal and my civil score was so bad that i couldn't get a loan anywhere or a, a credit card for that matter and then i had to then go ahead and write to them um, uh, go back and uh, you know connect with the, the previous bank and close that out and now it will take me maybe a year or two for this civil score to kind of organically come back to a good place so i'm just saying you know coming under peer pressure and not completely understanding everything and also ignoring um you know important things when it comes to financial matters uh is is something that would be really foolish to yeah. uh, i had to learn from a very tough um experience and in a situation where i mean thankfully i had um, you know enough funds to kind of buy things that i needed for the business but what if i didn't you mm-hmm. know that would be really frustrating yep. so i yep. uh, just um you're sharing Good, that uh, uh, thank you for sharing that uh, again you know there's a lot of temptation out there and 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 this is the beauty of these biblical principles okay if you apply them without getting muddied up by by worldly things then you'll stay out of trouble you'll stay out of worldly trouble as well okay i have a question here hi georgia do you think it might be beneficial if you were to talk about those who are starting with new jobs or have just started working usually it is at this stage when temptation to use debt and spend indiscriminately comes in and we fall prey to it i have experienced the same myself and it would be good to talk about it i feel okay so i i don't know uh, uh, you know as far as uh, i think i've said most everything i, I want to say here whether you're starting your job or you know at the end of your career or in the middle it doesn't matter right these principles all hold but but especially when you're starting why it's important is that you can really dig yourself into a hole okay if you start because we have this this idea is that uh, you know i i talked about the american dream last year you know, we are now have a indian dream right which is you know i i go from a bike to a car to a more expensive car from a rented uh, one bedroom one bhk to a two bhk to a four bhk you know this is this is our mentality right and we feel like as soon as i'm married and and by the way there's parental pressure saying hey aunt, uh, when are you going to buy a house why don't you guys buy a house here's some money go buy a house you know or buy a flat whatever it is so uh, again when you do those things you succumb to pressure of parents or peer pressure or whatever pressure of society your own pre- internal pressure 
your own internal aspirations, um, you know, you end up really digging yourself into a hole and it'll become very hard to get yourself out of it. Okay. So, uh, you know, follow all of these principles. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, especially when you're starting off, uh, you know, for the person who asked this question for everybody here, because many of you, because you are in that, that season of life, right? Uh, please, um, please be very careful. Uh, in the long run, you will find yourself you know, in a much better place. Okay, if you follow these principles from day one. Okay, then uh, another question has to do with, uh, I think I alluded to this, you know, sometimes parents push us to, because parents also have aspirations, okay? So they worked hard and, you know, God bless them. Uh, they put some of us through school. They, um, you know, they struggle through life and, and, and their sort of, uh, you know, aspiration, their images that, oh, my son or my daughter, you know, they're now got a, I, I spent this money on the education. They now got a job. Now it's time for them to take care of us and, you know, provide this and that. And they will come and approach you and maybe even put pressure on you to say, you know, take a loan, do this, do that, so that we can, you know, I would say, given that you now know these principles, you need to sit them down and go over this, especially if they're godly people, believers, go over this with them and tell them why it's not the right thing to do uh, and evaluate their need. Okay, or whatever they're asking you to do. Do they really need what they're asking for? Is it really necessary? Why do they need that? You know, why not continue in the situation they're already in? Right? Is it really that necessary? So, so be very careful because what can happen is you in the guise of trying to please your parents. And I, I get it. It's a very emotional thing. Uh, you know, you want to sort of, um, you know, feel proud that you're supporting your parents. I get all that. Um, but... Um, you know, don't don't dig yourself into a hole by doing that. Most of the conversation of a card can be met with a debit card or digital payment method where you spend from what you have rather than spending what you don't have. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, you know, the person who asked this, your debit card is not as dangerous as credit, but I will caution you one thing. Okay? Somehow, uh, you know, there's a psychological thing that... Uh, that even people have done research that shows that even people with debit card end up spending more than if they had cash. Okay. So keep a watch on how your debit cards, are you, are you spending within your budget or because it's a card, because it's easy to just hit Google pay and money goes out somewhere. You don't see it. You don't hear it. Uh, you know, do you end up spending more? Okay? If you got that problem, then you need to stop those things as well. Okay. So either way it can be dangerous. Uh, yeah, uh, so earlier you were saying that uh, whenever you lend money to uh, like believers, you wouldn't ask. I mean, I get that. But uh, what if, if you're lending money to non-believing friends, is it fine to ask them quite often? Like most of my, I mean, my friends who have lent a lot of money, uh, they kind of fail a lot to pay me back. So is it okay to keep asking them and going behind them to pay back? Yeah, see, I don't, I don't lend money to anybody. Um, believer, non-believer. Um, if somebody has a legitimate need, I'm happy to help them. I, th I think it comes back to what is it that they need the money for? Why are they coming to you? Uh, and uh, and you should apply these principles that uh, you know that that you know. Anyway, we are called to help uh, you know poor people, people in need. You know, are there somebody in desperate need? You know, if you're talking about they need money to buy a meal, then just buy them a meal and, and pay for it, right? So. It's it, it it can destroy friendships, okay, relationships big time. 
Um, so I would say it's wise to just stay out of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Jocha, I think uh, we have a question. I think yeah. I know. Probably, I mean, yeah, probably we're discussing. You know the time. answer. Yeah, I know the answer. <laughs> so, I, we were discussing if we give to the poor, do we control how they spend it or do we trust in Lord and yeah, no, that, that's a good, that's a good question. So, so I think, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, because we live in a fallen world, there is a lot of manipulation and there is a lot of, uh, uh, you know, thievery and gangs and all these kind of things going on. Right. So I think that's, uh, and people have, by the way, it's not just to the poor. Okay. People ask me this question about giving to the Lord's work as well. You know, we give to some evangelists. How do we know they're not misusing the, uh, the money that we give them. Okay? So, you know, my answer to that is that, uh, is that certainly, you know, we have some obligation to do uh, a certain level of due diligence, right? So if we uh, become aware that somebody is, so we want to look for avenues to give that are trustworthy, okay? That are, that, that uh, again, you can never be a hundred percent sure. Even the most trustworthy person, you know, when they start getting the money coming in on a regular basis, they can become, untrustworthy okay they can they can start doing fraudulent things with it so I, I think it just comes back to your heart right if your heart is in the right place and you are giving you know you're prayerfully so go back do it prayerfully don't just give willingly pray about it you know take it to the lord seek his guidance and if you give it with a pure heart with a pure conscience you know ultimately you know the what i do is i i give uh, you know knowing that god is going to hold that recipient accountable you know, especially if they are a servant of God as to how they use it. Now, I have had the experience where I have um, given to certain needs, uh, you know, especially with certain people. Uh, and later on, I found out that, you know, there's certain things about the way they're operating that that may not be quite, uh, you know, and the Lord brought these out, right, through, through different ways. And I took that as a signal that, you know what, I need to stop helping them and look somebody else to them, right? So, so I think there's a, there's a balance there between due diligence, but we shouldn't let that paralyze us. So, you know, you shouldn't go sort of, uh, you know, try to do an FBI investigation on, uh, you know, and ask them for their, for their accounting statements for the last uh, so many years and all these kind of things to, um, you know, to verify that they are uh, in fact, um, you know, um, legitimate and using things. So I think, Use a little bit of judgment there. Do some due diligence, but at the end of the day, the Lord, you know, looks at your heart and, and what you're giving for, right? And of course, if you come to know of somebody being uh, not very faithful with what's being given to them, then by all means, we should, uh, uh, you know, we, we certainly should uh, change, uh, you know, what we're doing there. Yeah. Um, so, a couple of things like um, uh, one of the common expenses that we have is our phones, right? So which yeah. category will they fall under in this? Entertainment, because you get entertained by your phones. Then isn't it also a necessity? No, no. I, I, I mean, you, you can add a category for your phone. These are, these are just, you know, guidelines, right? So if your phone is a, is a you know, is one of the things you just put it there, right? Communication or whatever, right? Right. Uh, so, um, I mean, again, my question was more, I mean, that was one, but uh, my question was more at, hey, we've planned a particular pattern, but how mm. much important is it to go back and revisit and look at, hey, is there a cheaper mm. option to do some of these? Things? Yeah, no, absolutely. 
I think uh, again, sometimes your uh, you know the budget is not a it's, it's supposed to be a living document, a living uh, living thing where you you don't just uh, you know a, as your income grows you got to go re- redo it right right uh, as your as things change I mean you know the cost of food goes up right so then you know you got to you got to adjust or you got to cut down the the number of times you eat beef I mean <laughs> I, I say this. Uh, after buying, uh, after having Charlie deliver uh, multiple cages of beef for me the other day, but uh, uh, which I enjoyed yesterday. Um, but uh, but again, you know, uh, I think I think you're absolutely right. You have to keep reviewing it, review it against your changes. Your, I mean, like you know, again, these are only categories. But you might have, uh, you know, I mean, there's one for school or education or maybe what uh, more medical needs. You know, so. So you might have more medical needs in a certain period of time because say your spouse is pregnant and you know, you're going to have to, and again, even that, you know, that's somewhere, something where maybe if it's one-off kind of thing, that's for, that's the kind of thing you save for, right? So you say, okay, no, that's okay. I'm fine with that because I saved you know, enough to pay for um, you know, the, uh, whatever, the hospital fees for delivery and all these kind of things, right? Yeah, that answers my question. And uh, one other area that I wanted to touch upon is uh, the fact that you brought about uh, the conversation with you and Sarmama. Um, in yeah. our spouses are uh, not interested to do anything to do with money, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Where, is, where do we draw the line for that in terms of, I mean, not a line per se, but where, you know, we um, get them to get involved in, you know, some of the... Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think they, I think it's absolutely essential for a healthy marriage. Uh, in fact, I would say that when you create your budget, you should sit down with your wife and uh, you know and agree on it, right? So agree that's it. And then she also because a lot of these things might be things that she's uh, responsible for doing the spending. Okay. Um, and uh, and so I think it will make your marriage much healthier if you are both involved. Uh, update from Nitin. On the chat for you, Georgia. All right. Okay. Uh, you mentioned regarding maintaining a record of your giving while sharing the life insurance. Exactly. Could you play, How did you consider starting this discipline? Also, a follow-up question: Keeping in mind the scripture portion, Matthew six, verses three and four, would following the practice lead some to be boastful of one's way of handling money, even if it is? Giving to the Lord, considering our hearts. Okay, uh, I think you're talking about maintaining the record. Um, so the reason that I maintain a record is just to—it's uh, more for me to uh, be able to give more. It's—it's uh, it's more for me to plan the giving. Okay, uh, so that uh, you know. So, so for example, what has happened over time is that I have—I have focused my giving on certain things. Okay, so I—I I have. Uh, in fact, there are some questions around. You know, giving to NGOs and things like that. But I've got, I've got it sort of demarcated into four or five areas, right? So there's sort of giving to individuals that I know and uh, I know are doing good work that's supporting some individuals. There's giving to ministries, uh, you know, that I support. And then there's giving to bigger projects, right? Which I see as strategic projects in the ministry. Okay. Now, obviously, you know, I'm at a different level position to be able to do that, not everybody maybe, right? And so I do this you know, not to, 
announce it to anybody or anything, but rather for me to know, okay, uh, first of all, first of all, am I giving, you know, am I meeting my commitment that I have made to the Lord, right, at, at a minimum, right, uh, you know, and, and then it allows me to plan. So when I look at, I sort of sit down and I look at the whole year, here's the income I'm expected to get, and uh, here's how I'm going to divide it up. Okay, there are these two or three projects that I'm, I'm really going to support in the next year and see them to completion. So, so I use it more for a way of, uh, that's why I started that practice. It's, it's more, like my early years, I didn't do that because, you know, my amount of giving was, was not that significant. I mean, it was, you know, in many cases, I would just send it to one organization and tell them, please distribute this to workers or for the needs of the gospel, right? And what has happened over, over time, and that was fine at that point in time, so when I first started my job, I would give it to, say, Gospel Missions of India or somebody and say, please give it as the Lord leads you. you know, that, that was sort of the standard note I would write, right? But then over time, uh, as I got more involved, the Lord brought me into contact with specific needs, specific people, specific projects, specific visions that people had, right? And so then I, I started to get more involved personally in terms of uh, understanding the need in terms of even in some cases guiding the people with the vision in terms of how to go about it. Uh, and uh, sometimes I even get involved in bigger needs that I'm personally investing in to get others involved. You know, I, I, I inform people that I know might be capable of giving, have a heart for giving, uh, you know, and, and make them aware of it. And I sort of become a conduit to get them to participate in that. So, uh, so that's the reason why I do it. Uh, uh, and it also allows me to occasionally go back and check and make sure that I'm on the right track, right? Uh, so, yeah, so it's not about, uh, you know, uh, again, you know, whether it becomes uh, anything that you do can become a source of boasting. Uh, but, um, you know, it's a matter of your heart, right? So the Lord sees the heart. Uh, I'm not sure what the reference to Matthew 6 is. Uh, are you talking about the... Uh, let your, let your right hand not know. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so again, the right hand not know what the left hand is. See, I, I've always taken that. And in fact, the Pharisees, you know, and the way they pray and all that, right? It's about, um, uh, you know, it's, it's really about your heart attitude and why are you doing it, okay? Uh, are they, uh, are you doing it to, you know, so that people know that I'm giving it or are you doing it out of genuine, uh, you know, out of genuine, uh, out of your genuine heart to give to the Lord, right? So, so yeah, I, I don't think people who give, when you give, you shouldn't do it to get publicity. Um, you know, unfortunately, the way human nature is, people like to give publicity to you and want to try to avoid that. Uh, but, uh, but, but by the way, that record that I keep is for me alone. Okay? I don't show it to anybody. Uh, it's, it's purely a, a personal tracking mechanism to achieve all the goals that I, that I talked about, right? Uh, you know, it's for me to know that I'm meeting my commitments. It's for me to know, uh, you know, where I where that money. Because again, I, I personally think it's part of being a wise steward, right? It's uh, it's knowing where am I investing, where does the Lord put my heart in terms of investing, and is the money going to, to those places, uh, you know, and, and uh, are the goals being achieved? So it just allows me to to do that. Uh, it is not a straitjacket, so uh, you know, it doesn't mean that when something comes up, you know, I don't change direction and give to that need if that's immediate and urgent and all those kind of things. Okay? So I, I hope that, that addresses it. Regarding financial accountability with an accountability partner, what would be the areas that need to be addressed 
and areas that should be left to their own discretion. So really an accountability partner is about uh, really questioning, asking the right questions, right? Uh, evaluating, is this person have a budget? Okay. Is he sticking to the budget? Uh, is he spending things too much on things that he doesn't need? So it's really uh, having that sort of somebody to bounce thoughts off, somebody to say, ask you the tough questions. Many among brethren community think that full-time workers should do with much, much less than others, whether it is the house they stay in, the food they eat, the schools they send their children. Okay, so this is, an, this is a, a very interesting question. Uh, see, I think it's not, um, I'm just trying to think how to answer this. You're right, a lot of people have that expectation and I don't think it's a right expectation. Okay, and I think, you know, the way we make decisions should be, um, you know, uh, it should be the same principles that apply to everybody. Okay. And again, you go back to, um, you know, uh, how much has the Lord given you, right? And how are you using it? So it's not a, you, you can't take these questions or these decisions in isolation. You know, you want to look at what are you spending uh, overall, right? Uh, how much of what you receive are you spending? How much are you giving? Okay. Now, uh, on the other hand, I don't think the Lord has ordained everybody's children to go to the same kind of school. Okay. So if the Lord gives you something and you feel that spending it on sending them to a particular school, spending more is the right thing to do. And he has given you enough and you apply all these principles and you can afford it, uh, you know, between you and your spouse, you prayerfully make that decision and go ahead and your conscience is clear, you know, that's fine. Right. But, you know, if, a, if, a, you know, if a full-time worker has less than, you know, Maybe they have a desire to send a child to a particular school. There's nothing wrong with that desire, right? Uh, and they need to pray. Pray that the Lord will provide. Maybe the Lord provides some scholarships. Maybe the Lord provides uh, uh, somebody to say, you know what, I, I want to fund your child going to uh, this particular school. You know, the Lord is able to provide. I think uh, I think uh, uh, my fellow elder here, Rabbi Chen, is a great, great, great example of this, okay? Um, and... Uh, I know he doesn't like talking about this, so I don't know if he's around here somewhere, but uh, but I will talk about it. Sorry, Rebi. Uh, use you as an example. Okay, he has, uh, you know, he, he has lived for, I don't know, many, many years, okay, he and Asha, uh, as full-time workers. Okay, they rely entirely on the Lord for all of their needs. And yet, you know, two of his children have gone and studied and graduated from colleges in the, in the United States. And that is not... Uh, you know, it, it was fairly expensive to do that. Okay. But as he will tell you, they prayed about it and the Lord provided. All right. To where they had to spend almost nothing out of their pockets. Okay. Either through scholarships or other means, the Lord provided. So, you know, take your desires to the Lord in prayer. Don't sit there saying, yeah, it's unfair. They can go. I can't go. How come their kids go there? You know, remember, go back to the core principles here. God is in control. Okay. So he has decided how much money you're going to have. He has decided where you need to send your kids. Okay. And if he opens up a door for you to send your child to the U.S. and you prayerfully decide or wherever, you know, uh, you decide that that's, that's what the Lord wants you to do, you know, for their future. Um, you know, that's where the Lord is leading. And he leads by providing. Right. So he leads. And I know that Rebbe and Asha were very clear that they don't, they can't afford it. And the only way their children were going to go uh, to the college in the United States was if they got a scholarship, okay, and it was provided for them, and and uh, you know they got 
full scholarships that paid for four years of college, right? So, so God is able to provide uh, to, to achieve his needs. Yes. Can I add something? Please. They had, they had no option of studying in India with the schooling that they had. That was the reason we had to look at the states. Mm -hmm. uh, their schooling certificate was not approved in India. Right. And, and but, but again, the core thing is the Lord provided, right? Yes. Full scholarships. So, yeah. uh, so whatever our circumstances, the Lord provides. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, when you look at... Uh, where people are in life, you know, whether you studied in the U.S. or you studied in India or, or, or whatever, uh, you know, it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference, okay? Uh, you know, we, we trust God for these things and, and we rely on it, okay? Um, I think there is a question that says, adding to that, can full-time workers be more lavish than people who work in secular field? How many full-time workers file taxes? I don't know what I don't know the answer to that because I haven't done a survey of full-time workers to see if they file taxes. Um, <laughs> it, sounds like, it sounds like somebody wants to be critical of full-time workers because maybe they don't file taxes. Um, you know, I don't file taxes. Huh? You do? I, I do. Okay. Um, see again, I, I think we're approaching this the wrong way. Okay? Can they be more lavish than? We shouldn't have a different standard, okay? And I think we're, frankly, we're, we're comparing the wrong thing, okay? Uh, I think every person needs to be is accountable to God for the decisions they make about their finances, okay? Stop looking at other people. It's not your job or my job to go and be critical. Uh, I have no right to be critical of that full-time worker, okay? Now, if he's somebody that, if he trusts me, somebody that trusts me and needs advice, I'll be happy to give him advice. Uh, but, you know, how he spends his money is between him and the Lord. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, people do have this mentality that, you know, and, and I think that's wrong. Okay. For me to, to, to sit here and say, you know, oh my goodness, how can he being a full-time worker send his kid to this school? Or how can he being a full-time worker have a car like that? Well, why do you have a car? Okay. If you, so there is no distinction that way between full-time workers and, and, uh, and uh, non-full-time workers. Okay, we're all supposed to be workers for the Lord, right? The Lord gives all of us different uh, uh, amounts of money and we're all called to be faithful stewards of what the Lord has given us. Now, if that full-time worker is being an unfaithful steward, spending on things that the Lord doesn't want him to, then, you know, let the Lord hold them accountable. Yeah, and if anybody has a critical spirit towards full-time workers, please, that's, that's, that's wrong, okay? Uh, you, know, um, you know, like I said, the Lord will judge, okay? The Bible has set a different standard between Christians who are in secular work and Yeah, so this is exactly, so this comment was exactly saying what I just said, right? Even those who don't talk about it loudly think in this way, which becomes evident in some comments they make. How would you respond? Is there, a, there is no biblical basis, okay? Everybody is given, you know, everybody has different amounts of income. Everybody has different sources of income. If you're a full-time worker, you get from other people of God. If you're not a full-time worker, you get paid uh, monthly. Okay, but the Lord holds. You know, uh, when uh, when you get to heaven, you know it's going to be uh, you know either good and faithful servant or uh, you know you've been an unfaithful servant. That could be the case with a full-time worker. It could be a case with non-full-time. Unless person asking this is a full-time worker, I think the mindset is not to judge someone. It's okay, I didn't read this, but this is exactly what I said. 
This is between you and God. You are a full-time worker. Jesus himself said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Yes, we should pay taxes. Okay, we should report our income. Give to God what is God's standard. Adopted should be on what someone else has chosen to live as standard. Keep is always to live within the means. Along these lines, because of the notion that full-time events in India live on the voluntary offerings of other people, I struggle with the idea of taking up any full-time commitment anytime because of the meager remuneration given to full-time workers in India as opposed to full-time workers in Western countries where they have given enough to live decently well. My struggle is not with lack of lavishness, but the lack of sufficiency for basic needs, barely meeting inflation. What would Ravichan say to someone like me? Okay, Ravichan, take it away. Ravichan already responded on that at the end. Oh, he did? Oh, okay. Yeah, I think Ravichan has said it well. Our dependence should be on God. If the Lord is calling you to leave your nets behind, depend on him. He will provide, according to his riches, all your needs and more. Though there could definitely be times of leanness if he chooses to give you that. It has nothing to do with us being an Indian or Westerner. And yeah, I think that's a bit of a misnomer that says that uh, Westerners are all, all Western workers are supported. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, but whether we can trust the Lord and also, you know, this thing about remuneration and all that, right? I mean, I, I think uh, certainly if you're called, you know, if if you're called by the Lord, then you, you go out trusting the Lord, you know, 100%, right? And, and, and trusting Him to provide for your needs and not dependent on on any particular person or any particular level of income. Okay. See, even full-time workers, okay, uh, if they are following biblical principles, they should be tithing, okay, or they should be giving to the Lord. Yeah, and just one more point too. Many of our full-time workers here, they, uh, you know, they do give uh, of their, you know, whatever they get, right? The contributions that they receive on a monthly basis, they, they give back to the Lord, right? So, um, you know, uh, this this applies to everybody equally. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Uh, yeah. Uh, the standards and expectations set by brethren people when it comes to weddings are high and expensive. I'm saving up for mine, and that really takes away money that I could possibly give to the God. Is this wrong? Wow. This is a great question. Uh, you know, and honestly, I can't really answer it because I I know what the answer is. The answer is yes, it's wrong. Okay, uh, and uh, and it is um, it, it is well. Maybe, maybe I'm being a little too maybe I'm being a little too uh, strong. Uh, you know, any kind of excessive spending is, is is something that we need to avoid. Okay, but what what this question raises that we live in a bit of a cultural context, and um, unfortunately, there's expectations when it comes to a wedding. It's not just your decision. You know, it's your parents and all these things and there are all these obligations. You've got to invite 800 people and, 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 and whatever, 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 right? Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a very tough question to answer. I think, uh, I think uh, you know, the, there, is, um, there, there, is, uh, there is an opportunity here for, for folks to maybe, uh, you know, uh, change the thinking here by taking a, a different uh, approach. So I, I remember, you know, you guys, uh, many of you know this guy called Benny Prasad. Okay, he's a, he's a well-known traveling um, preacher, singer. And he got married a few years ago, two or three years ago. 
and uh, and he and his, his fiance at the time decided they weren't going to have a big wedding. Okay, so they didn't have a big dinner. Instead, they just had snacks, and uh, he didn't rent a big car. They came. He came to his wedding in an auto rickshaw that was nicely decorated. Um, you know, there was pictures of that going around his WhatsApp. Uh, and 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 he's very open when he gives his testimony that he says, you know what, we just decided, and 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 he said we took the money that we would have spent. And we uh, used it to buy food for the poor, okay? Uh, the money that we saved. Uh, so, you know, unfortunately, this is not something that uh, that is going to change very soon because unfortunately we have, uh, and it's absolutely right, you know, the, that we have set expectations for weddings that are high and expensive. And, and people sort of expect that. We all expect that. Um, and uh, honestly, I don't have a, clear answer to that. At the end of the day, I would say, you know, we rely on the grace of God. But uh, but yeah, if, if some of your new generation can start changing that, uh, you know, more power to you. Okay. Um, you know, we should. Uh, and maybe, uh, maybe, uh, uh, Rebi, uh, Rebi Chai, maybe you have an example here that you want to cite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot without asking your permission in advance. <laughs> Yeah, I've got, uh, um, actually, to put it very bluntly, my eldest son made money on his wedding rather than spend. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it was incidental. Um, the budget was very strict. And they saying that they finished the wedding in $1,000, but I think it came to 3000 And, you know, uh, but it was done very uh, nicely. They they called all the people that they wanted to call. There was enough food to fill their stomach, but it was not the the great um, the feast. Uh, it was not the great feast, and they had a nice place to gather, and uh, it was God provided a, a, a very um, small rent. And looking back at even my own wedding, I had no, <laughs> I had no control. My parents wanted to invite friends a lot because they were they were working in the um, in a big office. But the overall expenses and all they tried to control by controlling everything. Yeah, I, I think uh, the challenge with weddings is there's always two parties, right? And you can't really control what your in-laws think or even what your parents think for that matter. So yeah. you know, I, I would not. I would say, you know. God is in control of everything. You have a desire. You commit that desire to the Lord and uh, don't yeah. uh, go on a major guilt trip because, frankly, you don't have too much control over some of these things. Okay. I, had go ahead. I had a comment to make on this. Yeah. So, there's a, okay, one of my friends who is not a, from, uh, from a brethren background made this comment. Uh, you brethren people never wear any ornaments, but whenever I go to a brethren wedding, I feel underdressed, you know, and uh, they, they really uh, splurge a lot on their wedding is was a comment. It's across the board, you know, so I think uh, we are not a good example there. Uh, we might argue that other denominations might be doing it, but it's not about brethren or non-brethren as believers. Uh, we don't need to look at the example among brethren or others. Uh, of course, uh, the number of people that we invite, uh, we may not have control, but 
we still can uh, do it much better. I think some of the CVF weddings have been really nice. Just want to appreciate that as well. Okay. Uh, as a college student living off of my parents, how would tithing work? If I give a lot for God's work, I'll just uh, ask my parents for more money to replenish it. There's no sacrificial giving. Okay. So uh, this is a little different situation. So again, you know, you, you tithe when you get an income and, uh, but certainly you do have an opportunity there to start the habit. Okay. And what I would suggest is, I, I don't know uh, this particular person, you know, the way that parents deal with uh, different kids might be different, but uh, let's say your parents are giving you a amount, something for the fees and some spending money or whatever. Right. Uh, now, if your parents are only giving you exactly what you need, then you really don't have, but if, if they're giving you some spending money, even if it's a small amount, you know, couple of thousand rupees a month or whatever, uh, you know, try to figure out a way to live your life in such a way that you can give a portion of that. Okay. Maybe it's, you know, two or three or 4%, maybe it's 10%. Uh, and that's to, to really, uh, uh, so you, yeah, you know, you shouldn't be going and asking them money to give to the Lord. That doesn't make any sense, but it's of whatever the Lord is giving you, whatever that is, however small or, or large, you know, you, you get into the habit and, and the mentality. Okay, of you know, I need to give okay something to the Lord, right? Um, so, so that's really uh, the way I would uh, I would answer that. Um, is it wrong to go after money saving deeds and options when making purchases? Does that make me money money? No, absolutely not. I mean, you should. I mean, you should try to save as much money as you can uh, and get good deals. Just make sure that they are a good deal. Sometimes, what sounds like a good deal is not a good deal. Okay, uh, and it usually ends up you end up spending more money going after the deals. So. So just be smart about it. Uh, right now, I earn just about enough to stand on my feet by myself and I don't tithe all that much. I always tell myself when I start earning more, then my giving will increase. Okay. So uh, this is a common common thing. What I would say, again, uh, you know, I, I don't want to give a blanket answer, but I'll give you some principles. And if you need specific help, then, um, you know, um, you know, if you need specific help, uh, you know, I'm happy to work with you one-on-one, uh, -on -one, right? So, um, you know, you need to take a look and you can see how much, is there a way I can change my lifestyle? Okay. Is there a way I can change? Maybe, uh, maybe uh, you're eating out. Okay. You can save something there, right? And give that to the Lord. Maybe you're living in a place where, uh, you know, you could get a cheaper place to stay. Okay. It may not be as nice, but, but it's possible, right? Um, so, so take a hard look because we really need to prioritize this uh, matter of giving to the Lord. Okay? Whether you're a full-time worker or a, a graduate just started his job or a whatever, right? Whatever situation in life you're in, um, you know, you need to really prioritize giving to the Lord as much as possible and start building that practice. I mean, I think, you know, uh, I always tell myself when I start earning more, then my giving will increase. No, you give first to the Lord. Okay. And then he will bless you. Uh, you know, that's what, that's what the scripture says, right? Now don't wait for the blessing to give, right? You give to the Lord sacrificially and he will bless you. My salary is pretty basic. I know the woman with two mites gave everything, but how is that possible during real life when I have to allocate my monthly salary for food, for rent, food, emergencies? The widow with the two mites is, uh, the point there is that we should be sacrificial. Okay? And the fact that God is not interested in the amount that you give. Okay. 
That's a principle to draw. It doesn't mean that everybody should go and give everything they have. If that's what the Lord needs you to do, uh, you know, by all means do it. Right? The general principle to apply is, 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 is that uh, the Lord doesn't really value the amount. The Lord doesn't need, you know, crores of rupees from a rich man. You know, he can get his crores from all, all manner of places. Okay. The, the, the God is not a debtor to any man. Uh, but the, the point is the heart, right? And, and he valued that more because uh, the, the two, the widow's two mites much more because for her, it was giving everything. It was sacrificial. Okay. So, so for the person who's saying that, um, you know, uh, you know, right now I earn just about enough to stand on my feet, you know, for that person giving even, you know, a hundred rupees a month, okay. Take a, a small amount. Uh, is far more valuable than the millionaire, you know, giving 10% of his income. Okay. Uh, because there's no sacrifice in a millionaire giving 10% of his income. Uh, so that's the principle. How to view spending living frugal every day in hope for a richer and comfortable tomorrow or living each day the fullest where money is not a deterrent. See, I think, um, I think it's, again, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, last week that, you know, what, what, what this whole course is about is not, it's less about how to the mechanics of how to, uh, you know, or, or maybe I should say it a little differently. Yes, we talk a lot about how to do things, what you should do, what you should not do. Okay, but ultimately, what we're trying to do is change your mindset, right? And when you change your mindset, you know this this uh, this matter of living frugal in the hopes for a richer and comfortable tomorrow uh, becomes a non-issue. None of us should be living for a richer and more comfortable tomorrow. Okay, as children of God, that should not be our objective. Okay, our objective is to serve God today. Serve God today with my time. Serve God today with my talents. Serve God today with my efforts. Serve God today with my money. Okay, and uh, you know, if the Lord gives you some more and, and you prayerfully spend it on becoming a little more comfortable tomorrow, that's between you and the Lord. But, but that should not be our, our hope. Right, we save. We're going to talk about saving uh, next time, um, but um, you know the purpose of saving is not necessarily for a comfortable tomorrow, but, but it is to meet upcoming needs. Right, it is to meet emergency needs such as the situation we are going through today. Not to hoard up wealth. Okay, so this question sort of implies some level of of hoarding. Okay, um, so okay, I remember my Jacobite relative asking the Bible says love thy neighbor as thyself. So doesn't that mean I should make sure that my neighbor's child should study in the same school as my child? Yeah, look, I mean, I think that's sort of, uh, that's sort of taking that, uh, the intent of that verse, uh, you know, uh, that is talking about the degree of your love. It doesn't mean that, you know, everybody should send their child to the same school. I mean, if you, if that is a burden you have and you believe that's a way to show your love for your neighbor, by all means do it. I just wouldn't wouldn't make this specific application as a universal principle. Rebbe, do you want to say anything about that? Question is the Bible says. I remember my Jacobite relative asking this. I don't think the Jacobite has much relevance to the question, but the Bible says, "Love thy neighbor as thyself." So doesn't that mean I should make sure that my neighbor's child should study in the same school as my child? Yeah, that is his. I would say that is his interpretation, but uh, don't. Let anyone guilt trip you into doing anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will, I will tell you that I have been burdened by 
personally by evangelist children and in my interactions with evangelists, sometimes, you know, they will, they will share with me about sending their kids to school, not a specific school, but college fees or whatever. Right. And, and I, I always, the Lord has always led me to think, you know what, if, if my child needed fees paid, I would pay it right away. Okay. And that has prompted me when these needs came up to immediately provide whatever they needed to pay those fees. Um, so, uh, so again, it comes back to mindset, right? So, but you know, I, I don't think God has decided, determined that everybody should go to the same school and all those kind of things. Uh, but definitely, the principle of loving your neighbor, okay, loving your fellow believer, these are all, you know, hard principles in Scripture. Okay, I've been saving for a home for many years through fixed deposit. Now with the recession, I'm moving some of the fixed mutual funds. Is that right? Can I invest in mutual funds? Yes, you can invest in mutual. Okay, what if I live frugally now, so on the outside, I'm not living lavishly, but keep hoarding. Okay, uh, but hoarding is not scripture. Okay, uh, hoarding is, uh, for those who may not understand, hoarding is accumulating a lot of money. So, so what this person is saying is they're somewhat like a miser. Okay, they're, they're not spending, maybe even when they need to spend uh, and keep on accumulating money. Okay, uh, that, that would be wrong. So again, the attitude is important. Okay. Well, if you are if you are hoarding, you know, and you don't need that money to live on, then you should probably give away, give it away. Okay, give it away to the Lord. You know, after you save a little bit for your uh, needs. If I give money to my house help or my driver because I know they need it, and not give that week to church, is it okay? Is it mandatory that the tithe I make has to be given only to help missionary? No, it's not. So if you uh, if you remember when we um, when we studied about giving, right? Giving is uh, is broad. Okay, giving uh, can be you know we are commanded to give to the needs of our family. We're commanded to give to the needs of the of the Lord's people, right? Other believers. We're commanded to give to the needs of uh, mission work. You know, there's examples of that: the Macedonians supporting Paul, uh, you know, the Corinthians supporting Paul. Uh, uh, we are commanded to give to the poor. Okay, so any of these things can be giving all right and uh, and you need to you can do all of these within it but uh, you know if you want to get more sophisticated about it you could even set aside you could even say okay if I'm giving 10% you know I'm going to give 5% to my church okay now we we have to we have an obligation to give to our church because you know we are getting spiritual benefits from our church right and uh, there's a cost to those benefits the church has certain needs to be met uh, and they support certain workers right uh, you can do that. You can set aside a certain portion, you know, I'm just making these numbers up, you know, 5% of the church, you know, 3% to, uh, uh, you know, to other missionaries, um, you know, and uh, whatever the rest is for poor people or, or vice versa, right? So so I would encourage you to, to maybe even get to that level as well where you can do more. But ideally what you want to do is, you know, say, you know what, I'm just going to give more by expanding the Okay, so when I go from 10 to 15 to 20 to 25 to 30, uh, you know, percent, um, you know, that allows me to give more to poor people, maybe my household help, maybe more. So there is no, nothing in scripture. Remember, uh, you know, the tithe is an Old Testament construct. Okay, we are told to give free will offerings, okay, as one purposes in one's heart, right? And as the Lord leads you, you give. So there's nothing, there's no rules around this. There's no hard and fast thing that says, so much is for the church, so much for the poor people, so much for this, you know, other believers. 
You know, you do as the Lord leads. Right? The important thing is that you're giving and you're being consistent about it and you're being generous about it, uh, you know, and, and you're doing it cheerfully. Okay. Uh, I also gave you the notes. Okay. So please do go through the notes. They have a lot more detail in them. They've got verses in them, uh, which I touch on here, but are not in the PPT. Uh, and, you know, the best thing is always seek advice. Okay? You can always come to me. I'm happy to advise you on these things. Um, so regarding financial accountability, uh, what would be the areas that need to be addressed? It should be left to their our discussion. So if you're trying to be financially accountable okay, if with a mother, brother or sister, uh, probably the key thing you should do is review your budget. Okay, Review your budget with them and, and then they can ask you the questions. Well, you really need to spend money on that, right? Uh, or why do you need so much? You know, go evaluate it against those guidelines that we gave, the percentage guidelines. Um, and then, uh, uh, yeah, this one, it would be a responsible thing to save part of our income for difficult times. We, like the times we're in now, what's a wise way to divide our finance into savings, giving and spending? So, so you look at the budget and you, you, you should save, you know, you should save, you should give, and then you control your spending by the budget. Yeah, so right now I earn just about enough to stand with my feet. I, you know, if you're somebody who's just barely standing on your feet, uh, you know, uh, I would ask yourself, do you have a budget? Are you budgeting? Are you keeping track of your expenses? You know, is it really the case that you're barely making enough to make? Maybe it is, okay? Uh, but put it down on paper and evaluate and see, are there things that I can cut out, right? So that I'm not keeping money away from the Lord. Yeah, so my salary is pretty basic. How is it possible to do in real life when I have to allocate my monthly salary for rent? So the Lord doesn't expect you to not spend money on rent and food and things like that, okay? He has given us money partly to meet our own needs, right? It's all about you know, holistically, how are you handling it? So and that, it's important that everybody has a budget. Since interest is content with the hotel, is it fine for us to invest in places that give us a good return on deposit since the banker can give us that only by charging high interest to his border? Yeah. So uh, first of all, interest is not necessarily condemned in the Old Testament. What is condemned is usury. Okay. Uh, and usury is... Uh, uh, you know, after Bishwa gave his testimony, it's, it's that sort of oppressive, exploitative interest. Okay, Now, is it fine for you to invest? There's nothing wrong in investing uh, because technically there is no, you know, the, the, I don't see any biblical problem with interest. Okay, And, and again, uh, you know, whether something is high interest or not is, is up to the, you know, uh, you know uh, again, these are, these are all things driven by the market and things like that. So, uh, if you are doing something, uh, you know, investing in something that you know is exploiting people, is uh, you know, is doing things that's wrong, which is sort of what Bishwa was talking about, then we shouldn't be involved in that. But but giving to a bank, you know, bank has got certain limits. Okay, uh, it's regulated by the by the government bodies, RBI and so on. Okay, and they can't just keep jacking up interest simply to uh, do that, right? So it's based on. Uh, certain uh, rules and, and, and things like that. And you can see how when the Reserve Bank cuts certain rates, then you know, the rates to consumers goes down and up and all that kind of thing. Right? So it's a very complex area. Uh, but uh, but I, don't, I don't see uh, grounds to say that we should not uh, invest money. Okay? Keep in mind that even the Lord, okay, in that parable of the, the three guys with the talents, okay, he said, you know, what did he say? The guy to the guy who dug the, the, the dugger a hole and kept his money. They said, you could have lent this money out at interest. Okay. 
So, so we can teach that interest is wrong per se. All right. Certainly, certain types of interest would be, uh, you know, would not be supportable. Okay. Uh, what are the rules for giving credit slash lending money? The reasons could be for a friend having a business need or a personal reasons. Are there any restrictions in lending money as a support? For that's why. It's, so uh, again, I want to I want to sort of get the discussion away from rules uh, and more towards principles, right? So, so as we talked about earlier, right? When we when we lend, okay, when 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 you're a lender, and obviously if you're a lender, there's a borrower on the other side, and uh, you know, and I'm going to approach this from a biblical perspective, okay? It says the borrower is servant to the lender, okay? Now, what does servant mean? In the um, you know in, in the biblical times, the word servant uh, you know was really used for slaves, right? Slaves meaning uh, it's a much stronger thing than you know. We're not talking about the servants that you uh, you know come and clean your house and you pay them and they go away, right? They're, I mean, uh, we're talking about people who were in servitude to somebody. They have been bought. They belong to them. So that's the sense in which it's saying the borrower is servant to the lender. Uh, so how is he a servant to the lender? You know, uh, basically until he repays that, he's got that obligation. He's got something in the back of his mind that says, I owe this person money, right? That causes uh, a, a certain change in the relationship, uh, you know, between the two of you where you are, you are friends and now you're, you know, slightly different. You are you're, you're borrower and lender, okay? Lender and borrower. And, and uh, then you get into issues when, if the money is not repaid, okay, you have some understanding. Sometimes things go very loose with friends. Okay, we say, ah, oh, well, whenever you, whenever you get it, give it back to me, right? So you know, one 